Welcome to Feminine, the podcast dedicated to the feminine lens on mental health, the healing arts, and spirituality. My name is Priscilla Alexandra Hine, and I am a licensed practitioner of the healing arts and licensed clinical social worker in the state of California. blood moon (laughs) my wonderfully passionate curious convicted philosophical listeners of feminine I am blessed and honored that you would be here with me today and that you would hold space for me. Thank you. I am honored to hold space for us and grateful to Divine for the opportunity to do that. I would like to open up with a moment of prayer and an opportunity to recognize and honor divine in this space, as well as a moment of self-reflection. But before I do this, I would like to acknowledge that the sun is currently in Gemini and the moon is in Aquarius. When the moon is in Aquarius, I am reminded of my oldest baby and her endless well of curious compassion for all living things on top of her profound intelligence and convictions to make the world a better place. And to honor her spirit and the manner in which she has chosen to manifest onto this earthly planet, I would like to share with you a little memory that happened a couple days ago, and I pray that it gives you some insight into the beauty and the heart of an eight-year-old baby girl who is living in a violent, war-torn, scary, manipulative world that not even her own mother can keep her from. The other day my baby put a little 
head uh, wrap on her head. And the first thing she said when she looked in the mirror, she goes, Mom, I look like Harriet Tubman. I am blessed that my daughter would see herself in Harriet Tubman and would reflect her own identity in onto a figure <laughs> of freedom and justice who changed the entire fabric of any narrative surrounding the transatlantic slave trade and the land that was turned into a country called the United States of America. That is my oldest daughter, and I am very honored to be her mother. And her moon happens to be in Aquarius. My son happens to be in Aquarius as well. Aquarians are airy. We are in the age of Aquarius. That means the planets are aligned to exalt Aquarian thinking currently at this time. Aquarians are highly intelligent intellectuals. We get caught up in our brain chemistry and in our thinking patterns, and we are good at removing our pain from our bodies and manifesting it into uh, cerebral concepts. A dear friend who loves an Aquarius would consistently remind them out of sheer compassion to go back to their body and to feel their feelings inside of their body and to learn how to communicate them with their words. We are no longer in the full moon phase, the super flower blood moon. <laughs> I, I think that that's a lot of hoopla. Uh, you know, each, each, a lot of the language surrounding moons, uh, aside from like a blood moon or a super moon, because those are kind of obvious uh, English terms to identify what, what is occurring visibly, but words like flower moon and pink moon, that's all very cute. I love those things. Yes, please, call it a pink moon, call it a flower moon, I'm into it. And if you wanna hear a really good song, listen to a song, uh, called Pink Moon by, oh, why can I not remember their name? Oh, I'm very frustrated with myself at this time. Nick Drake, pardon me. Pink Moon by Nick Drake is a wonderful, wonderfully charming song to listen to if you're ever indulging in the beauty of a full moon. However, we are in the disseminating phase of the last full moon that we just experienced. So that means the fullness is mm, uh, lessening, right? It, it's not as full as it once was. So all of the revelations and the awareness that occurred with the brightness alongside the moonlight is now how we are approaching our day-to-day -day. and and we are learning how to adapt accordingly 
There are a couple of things to keep in mind at this time. We are experiencing a retrograde in the planet Mercury. Mercury is the planet of communication. A retrograde is when the planet goes into the opposite direction, starts to turn in the opposite direction. All planets, you know, to my knowledge, have a retrograde phase. However, I do not work for NASA. I am not an astronomer. Astrology is something that I appreciate a great deal. Astronomy is something I appreciate a great deal, and I have studied the subjects for some time. Uh, but that is not my forte. As you know, my forte is mental health and the healing arts in particular. So when planet Mercury starts to go into a retrograde, there is an understanding that communication will be disrupted and or could become a bit more taxing. I, I love Mercury in retrograde. It is a very wonderful time for me. I often find myself being detoxed and purged of old feelings and old habits. A good Mercury in retrograde makes me feel cleansed and rebirthed. I have, you know, I cannot recall a moment in my life when a Mercury in retrograde caused me distress more than it gave me permission to become self-aware. So as we juxtapose the planets and reality, which is we are living in a post-Trump administration society at this time, fully aware that the Biden-Harris administration is perpetuating colonialism and imperialism via the funding of Israel's occupation on the land of Palestine, given the inability to make peace, between uh, the Israelis and the Palestinians, which in my opinion is because of Israel's refusal to stop causing harm and violence. We are aware as a society and as a people that war has been happening for a long time and there have been consequences to it. And the post-Trump administration culture and dialect revolves around creating identities outside of the constructs of war and colonization. If you have been listening to Feminine or if you have been following me on social media for however long I go off and on on social media, then you will know that I predicted this as well as the Trump administration, as well as the collapse of society emotionally and financially, which many have called the apocalypse, and I am in agreement with that term. However, I do caution us as people to be uh, particular about what it means to be apocalyptic in, in the context of colonial language. Our ancestors, those of us who are connected to the genocidal attempts that have that still occur as of today, we have been working toward a new world where the genocide would cease and would not be... Um, considered manifest destiny for centuries, for centuries. So in the context of apocalypse, through the narrative of colonization, 
it would make sense to be afraid. However, I would encourage those of us who have been working on dismantling systems of oppression alongside our ancestors for centuries to feel empowered and excited because the new world is here. The kingdom is at hand and it has been for some time. I can give you a lot of my financial predictions of the US American economy and, and capitalism, particularly surrounding the housing market and uh, various debt bubbles that have ballooned to uh, unrealistic expectations and standards, which I can get into a little bit later. But first, I would like us to pray. I would like us to pray. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. And I would encourage you to take a moment to pause. Breathe in through your nose. Hold it right in your belly. Exhale. I encourage you to get some tea, particularly any tea that is associated with chamomile, melissa, lemon balm, or lavender. Those teas will be very helpful for you as we continue to move forward on the spiritual path during a cryptic time. Let's pray. God, I take a moment to honor you in our lives. And I recognize that there is no journey outside of the journey that you have called us to in the context of being. I am grateful that you would gather us here in this space, knowing full well that I am flawed. And through this collective dialogue and willingness to listen and challenge one another, we can create and hone in on pockets of newness and recovery. Creator, I am honored to have this moment and these experiences. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my life. Amen. So, yes, 
Hello. Happy Memorial Day. Can you believe it? I'm updating Feminine on Memorial Day. I wanted to come before before us today and, and have a little bit of a dialogue because I wanted to share with you something that occurred to me a couple of days ago that was life-altering and definitely brought me to a new place of acceptance of myself in society. Additionally, I wanted to share with you the pattern of miracles that continues to unfold before me as I am committed to journeying the path of goodness. What I mean by that is, if you do not know, which I have attempted to explain on multiple occasions, I was living my life like a Franciscan nun well into my early 30s, and it did not occur to me that not everybody was living their lives as a Franciscan nun until I was 33 years old. <laughs> it was baffling to me. I was confused by those things, and it really took a lot of moments of pain and agony for me to accept that the path of spiritualism is not common. And um, in that space, feminine was birthed. So thank you. I believe in miracles a great deal, and I believe in recovery and live into recovery a great deal. I continue to be challenged by one of my genuinely dearest friends who happens to be from Palestine about uh, with forgiveness. And they continue to push me toward viewing forgiveness as a good thing and an opportunity for peace all of which I agree with. However, in the past, even if you go back a couple of episodes from this year, you can hear that the narrative behind some of that which I am speaking about is influenced by trauma. And if you go back to some of the original episodes of Feminine, the Naked series, I believe that I put that started putting it out in 2018. The Naked series starts through a lens of someone who has been profoundly traumatized, particularly by white people. I try and uh, debrief us every time about what these things mean because I do not want anyone to come to feminine for the first time and get caught up in the manner in which I use language. However, uh, I can no longer commit to this because it is taking up a great deal of space. So I strongly encourage you, uh, you know, please listen to my current self-reflection and accept that this is where we are as a community. And that is me coming full circle as a human being out from post-traumatic stress disorder surrounding uh, being objectified by white people emotionally, spiritually, and at points physically. I am a first-generation U.S. American-born daughter of a refugee and single mother. My mother is third-generation German and Irish. I believe I am fourth. Sometimes I get confused by the two. And my grandparents on my mother's side were farmers from the Midwest. 
very much influenced by Native American culture, uh, as well as German culture that was brought to the United States. My German grandmother, my Irish grandfather, very much influenced by Midwest culture uh, during the Great Depression. My grandparents raised me and uh, were the primary source of stability in my life. And so my parents, unfortunately, were not capable of having children at the age in which they had them. And that is really influenced by a lot of the sociological implications that were occurring with their generation, as well as the overall narrative of the human story surrounding colonization and imperialism. So my grandparents, including my father's parents, were the most, that they were exemplars of stability from me. My grandfather on my father's side was a brilliant, gentle, kind, silly man who never hurt me, never yelled at me, never ever scared me, never made me feel afraid or less than, and always called me pretty. And the same with my Irish grandfather. Never yelled at me. I have never been yelled at by my grandfathers. Never. I have never been hit or harmed or threatened by my grandfathers. Never, ever. My grandfathers are exemplars of gentle. Exemplars of gentle. My grandmothers were both pretty stern. They were the primary uh, sources of uh, discipline that came in the form of structure and consistency. And I'm quite grateful for them both. My grandmother on my father's side is a tiny little indigenous lady who looks insanely gorgeous for her age <laughs> and is extremely healthy. And same with my grandmother on my mother's side. Both of my grandmothers are exquisite beauties and wonderful cooks and very classy and fashionable. I'm very blessed to be who I am and to be where I'm at. My parents, uh, they are constantly in process of working on how to be in relationship with me which is difficult because when you are a child who is raising yourself, you lose respect for your parents. So I have a difficult time with my parents. And I also sometimes have a bad attitude. I hate to admit it, but it's just plain facts. Because I was very resentful toward them for a long time because of their negligence. I share all of this with you because I would like you to be able to take a step back from the mystery of society at large and really give yourself permission to just own who you are, given your narrative and the narratives surrounding you, particularly the one that holds this space. Feminine is a narrative that revolves around dismantling systems of oppression, which I believe is a reflection of the beauty uh, and power of femininity and the unwillingness to settle for a world that revolves around and condones violence and war. 
oftentimes you will hear me reference Jesus in that space because to me, particularly because I was living like a Franciscan nun up until two years ago, literally, I, I am vastly influenced by the Christ and the manner in which he pursued justice and dismantling systems of oppression and willing, <clears throat> excuse me, not willingly, but humbly gave himself over for the ever necessary message of peace. Profoundly influenced by that. However, when it comes to the idea of forgiveness and when it comes to the reality of what that looks like and what that means, it can become a bit complex and confusing, particularly for anybody who has suffered at the hands of colonization or colonialism, even the English language and how it dictates and mandates colonization. So... When we talk about forgiveness, or as I come to the podcast today and I discuss forgiveness with you, you must understand that I am viewing forgiveness through the lens of an individual, any individual on the planet who is willing to accept the realities of the genocidal attempts and still choose to keep going despite the ongoing agony, centuries-old agony, of having to tell the story over and over and over again, and the story not only being unlistened to, but oftentimes erased, shamed, or cause for violence. We don't live in those times anymore, my friends. I can talk about the realities of colonization now, and uh, we are no longer at risk of being killed. It is safer for us to speak these truths than to hide them. But that doesn't change the fact that indigenous women and black women, indigenous including the term Latinx, which we're currently phasing out of as well with the English language, which is wonderful news, by the way, that does not disregard indigenous women, uh, women from the diaspora, this is what I mean by the term black, and Asian-presenting women, so women who are from the Asian uh, cultures, from Asian cultures. This includes India, this includes Palestine, as well as Japanese, Thailand type of Asian culture. Essentially, any sort of female presenting or identifying being that is not Northern European in feature. That does not mean that just because I can speak openly about colonialism, imperialism, war, and colonization, that women who do not present as Northern European are not number one at risk for murder, 
sexual violence and assault. And crime, government crime. That is not what that means. Oftentimes, women who are going up against these realities of exploitation come up missing. It's a huge issue. They either come up missing or are incarcerated or are killed in some fashion. Whether it be by a white supremacist in the community, uh, policing activities, or the government of the United States. It is an issue, and it is constant. These issues in particular, why I can speak of them openly and they're no longer going to put me at risk is because the narrative surrounding white supremacy has been completely, sh has shifted completely. It is no longer the majority narrative. Language and pushback against systems op of oppression has flourished and it is in bloom. It is in bloom. Particularly, we're going to feel it while the moon is in Aquarius. We're going to feel that a great deal. And the sun is in Gemini, so there's a duality that we're rubbing up against emotionally and spiritually. I share all of this self-reflection with you as well as information surrounding realities connected to war and genocide and the blooming and unearthing of peace, which is made tangible to us through the UN and their most recent request for a ceasefire from Israel. right? I share all of this with you today because I would like us to head toward a place of acceptance so that we can move forward as a people. I remind you of my story and my trauma narrative so that we can move forward as a people. I challenge any notions of forgiveness that mean we forget what has happened to us so that we can move forward as a people. I do not believe that that is what forgiveness means. I believe that forgiveness is a conscious decision to continue to move forward despite the fact that there are human beings who will cause harm because of their decision to remain violent. That is what I mean when I speak of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not allowing people back into your life. It is not removing boundaries. It is not pretending that bad things, despite you requesting them to stop, didn't happen. That's not what that means. It's, it is a conscious decision in my practice to move forward knowing full well that people cause harm. 
and they may never apologize for it. But there is no need to cling to the past. Not for those of us who are conscious. We get sick when we do. Pardon me, I need some water. So as we are moving through post full moon vibes and we are in the disseminating phase where we're real energetic and excited about who we have become, I'd like to remind us of a couple of things. We are about to enter, uh, well, we just came off of a lunar eclipse with the past full moon and we're going to be in eclipse season. Eclipse season is brutal, my friends. It's brutal. It's brutal, but it is beautiful and detoxifying if you allow it to be. If you allow it to be. Give yourself permission throughout the summer to break down and to just confess and admit who you really are. You will find a great deal of ease in that space. So... All of that to say happy Memorial Day, right? Here we are. Memorial Day is a day, uh, I, I was recently informed, it is rumored to have started as a tradition. And there is no true origin of Memorial Day. However, it is rumored that in US American culture, that individuals who were fighting up against uh, the slave trade uh, were some of the primary influencers behind Memorial Day. And it was individuals who were actively seeking out and, and advocating for abolition who are some of the primary people to be honored for Memorial Day. It is helpful for me when I, when I was informed of this, this rumor and this history, which you can, you can look into, and it is, it is legit. I had no idea that Memorial Day had such beautiful roots attached to it. It is helpful for us in the context of developing a new dialogue that is rooted in peace. Because now that we have come off of the, of the Trump administration and we are conscious and aware that the US American government is not real, it is a construct and an idea, uh, and that systems of oppression are genuinely the cause for any sort of violence or harm that could occur within any of our lives, we can weed through the, the nonsense with a bit more clarity when we give ourselves permission to step out from the trauma narratives and the traumatic experiences of these systems and um, accept what has already taken place and accept where we're at. It's very helpful for us as a community to do these things. This does not mean that we accept that the systems are still causing harm. No, we do not. We continue to, to push up against them. All of us are suffering. There is no one who is benefiting from these systems other than the 1%. That is it. 
No one is benefiting from these systems. We are all exhausted. And that is something that we have in common. We are tired people. We are sensitive people. And we're ready for rest as people. I'm very grateful to, move, to be moving toward this space. I welcome each of you move toward this space. Give yourself permission to step into a new unfolding and a new understanding as we journey this Mercury in retrograde and the post full moon and its eclipse. It's beautiful. I love a good retrograde. Give me a Mercury in retrograde. They're so, they are satisfying in extinguishing folly. Keep us in a place of awareness. Give us permission to push against our relationships and bear fruit. Allow us to indulge in the fruit of our emotional labor. Absolutely. It is time for peace, for sure. I would like to share with you my most recent experience with police. which I believe will be helpful in understanding what it is that we do at this podcast and why this space is important for us as a church. Because we are diverse. I'm speaking to many different people from many different hues, many different ethnicities, backgrounds, and stories. Many of the folks who listen to this podcast, I've met your families. We have been through a lot together. And I am exactly who I've always been, which makes it even more frustrating, I imagine, for all of us sometimes. These are very hard conversations that we have. But if we do not have them, we will not be able to continue to grow. And if we do not have these conversations, systems will continue to cause harm. And I do not believe that anybody here wants to cause harm. I believe that is one of the things that bonds us together, is our collective understanding that there is another way. I was recently pulled over. Uh, I was absolutely speeding and not paying attention to the speed limit. So I immediately pulled over. Also, my tags are expired by one month. Yep, sorry about it. Sorry about it, Dad. I didn't renew my registration. Uh, the DMV has been a big process since quarantine. So I'm one month expired in my tags. So uh, I pulled over immediately. Uh, my children were in the vehicle, and I began to pray that I would have a covering. I was not afraid of paying any fines. I was afraid of being harmed. 
I was wearing my hair very black that day. Yes, I am a part of the diaspora, which I speak very little about because I do not think it is relevant. I do not believe that me speaking about being a part of the diaspora is relevant. I believe that me as a human being should simply exist and that should be enough for all of us to want to make the world a better place. This is not because I do not understand that pigmentation plays a role, it is absolutely because I know it does. And I have a great deal of privilege. So when I speak about being a part of the diaspora, which I have spoken of previously, um, please know that I, my blackness is profoundly personal. It's extremely personal. And it does come with a great deal of grief attached to it. Particularly because in Latin America, the manner in which colonization was constructed is completely different than US American colonization structures. It's completely different. In Latin America, there was minimal streamlining in colonization. This is why we look multiracial and multiethnic, because we are. In the US, it's very obviously streamlined, the manner in which communities and individuals were colonized. Being mixed in the United States is uh, considered more rare. But if you go toward Latin America, it is quite common to be from the diaspora and to look unique alongside those things versus what US American identifiers of being black and white are. So I was driving and I was wearing my hair very black that day. So I was feeling very proud and very cute. <laughs> and I had my children in the car. When I saw the officer taking my speed, I knew I was going to get pulled over. I was speeding. I'm not in denial of this. I was pulled over immediately, and um, I didn't even question it. Pulled over. He gestured me toward the side street, listened to him, didn't even challenge it. Pulled over to the side street. My children were nervous, and I told them that it would be okay and that I was going to make sure that we were safe. When the officer came over, he looked into my vehicle somewhat, and he came to my window and he was actually quite kind and gentle in his voice. And he initiated with, ma'am, do you know that you were going above the speed limit? I responded with kindness and said, yes, I do. I apologize and informed him that I am a black identifying woman and that he was triggering me. And I asked him if he would have compassion and be kind. Well, my friends, it all went downhill from there. Not only was he offended by my request, he began to yell at me and degrade me and said um, very aggressive things to me, 
to which I stated, I am requesting that you please stop yelling at me. I am telling you that you are triggering me. To which he said, again, very degrading, very belittling things. And my only inclination was to call 911 because I was afraid for my life that he was going to hurt me. So I called 911 and I got on the phone with 911 and he was degrading me with uh, statements such as you can do whatever. I mean, he was not nearly this gentle at this point. He was very aggressive and forceful. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. I still got you speeding, you know, these types of things. And I told the 911 officer or excuse me, operator that I was scared and I was calling because I need to make sure that if something happens to me, it is documented via a 911 call so that my children would be okay. The 911 operator continued to challenge me and said things like, well, there's nothing I can do if you got pulled over for speeding. What, why is that a problem for me? And I stated, because I am triggered, I am a woman who is a part of the diaspora, and I do not feel safe at this time, and it is my right to have, to make a phone call indicating that this is an emergency. As I was speaking to the 911 operator, the officer became more agitated and uh, started to grab at my hands and my arms, to which I began to scream, uh, deep screams of fear, and was yelling that I was unsafe and that he was grabbing at me and entering my vehicle without a warrant. My children began to cry, and I simultaneously de-escalated them in order to support them in processing this experience while I was also on the phone with 911 documenting the manner in which this officer was treating me. The officer continued to make belittling remarks, a lot of which at this point I cannot remember because I was very scared. I was pulling up my insurance because I am fully insured. My children were fully buckled despite uh, some of his commentary and accusations. While I was pulling up my insurance, he continued to belittle me and question whether I was even insured. Uh, and also belittled the fact that I was pulling up my insurance electronically, though it is my right to keep my insurance card on my phone instead of in my vehicle, which I reminded him of. And he continued to berate me with degrading statements and comments, despite my request to be gentle and kind. And I continued to communicate to the 911 operator that I was very scared and I believed that he was going to hurt me in front of my children uh, to which he did not seem to care after he grabbed my ID reached into my vehicle and grabbed my ID 
uh, out from my hand in a very forceful manner. He created a ticket for me, which I did not argue. I never argued that I was speeding. I never argued that my tags were expired. I fully accepted these things. I simply had made a request that he would be kind to me because I was triggered and afraid, to which this deeply bothered him and only gave him permission to degrade, insult, disrespect, and threaten me, as well as put hands on me and reach into my vehicle without a warrant. He proceeded to create a ticket and came back to my, or excuse me, prior to, yes, on his little robot machine. He made a ticket on his little robot machine and came back to my vehicle and requested my signature uh, after explaining to me the ticket in a very degrading and belittling manner to which I did not argue. And he requested my signature. I provided my signature without any argument at all. Um, and to which he ended this interaction with a statement, I believe it was, this is the date that you can appear in court if you want to uh, contest this ticket, to which I was signing my name, and I said, I absolutely will appear in court. Then he grabbed with full force the ticket robot machine from my hands while I was signing it inside of my car. So he violated the law again, reached into my vehicle without a warrant, laid hands on me again, despite my initial request to be kind and compassionate which triggered me again, and I began to scream for help again. And the 911 operator de-escalated me, and I was very grateful for her. And she told me, you have to stop yelling because it's going to make it worse. And I appreciated that a great deal. She was right. I did need to stop yelling. I was scared for my life and that my children would see me get hurt. I was very scared. And my children were crying, and I continued to remind them that it would be okay. After he took the ticket robot from me, he printed out the ticket, came back to my window, proceeded to degrade me uh, by, you know, making gestures or verbal, I don't know, antagonizing remarks, such as, this is your ticket. This is what it says. If you want to do blah, blah, these types of things. Uh, I did not engage him. I did not look at him. He asked me if I had any questions. I kept my 911 operator on the phone and explained to her everything that was taking place. He handed me my ticket. Uh, I, gra- I placed my hand out for my ticket. He gave me my ticket. And then he got on his vehicle and we drove away in our separate ways. We drove our separate ways. I pulled over, pardon me, I pulled over um, uh, a couple streets from that location and uh, processed with my children why that is a scary experience for me uh, and for us as a family and why I called 911 and I held my children and cried. Uh, 
for a good 10 minutes. Uh, a good 10 minutes. I'd like to note a couple of things. The first thing is because I have privilege, I could have an interaction like that with a police officer and still live. The other thing that I would like to acknowledge is that we recently came across the one-year death of George Floyd. And the last thing that I would like to acknowledge is that the systems that we have in place are deserving of disrupting. And I should not be treated with disrespect or degraded or touched or threatened or have my space invaded because I gently request kindness My children should be able to be safe in my vehicle because I have requested kindness. It should not be triggering or considered disrespectful or antagonizing because I request kindness. The entire globe is fully aware of George Floyd, fully aware, the globe, and we all watched when the officer who killed him was surprised with the guilty verdict. I believe in miracles. I believe that people change. I believe in my ancestors and my grandparents 
and the people who love me. I believe in divine order and purpose. I believe in those things very deeply. I believe in them very deeply. What would it be like if all of us did? Who would we become if we relinquished control and fear? I am reminded of my baby and her joy in looking like Harriet Tubman with her head wrap on. My friends, the realities of these systems exist. There are consequences to our decisions because there is one choice that we could all make that is for the betterment of all of us. It is the divine choice. There is an order to nature. There is a balance. We each have a purpose. I would argue that a great healing is occurring as we speak, excuse me, as I speak and you listen, very humbly you do. I would argue that a great healing is occurring, but that's a lot of new age hogwash. It's not. The system has broken. And now we wait. And we identify what our next steps will be simply by being present in each day. Work for miracles. Believe in miracles. Trust miracles. Give yourself and your life permission to experience miracles.
Happy Memorial Day. If you want a great film on miracles, please watch Netflix, which I believe has some pretty cool allies working for them. It is called Blue Miracle. I love it. It's great. It is simple and deserving of your time. Happy disseminating phase of our full moon. I send each of you deep blessings of peace and gratitude. Take time out, spend it with your family, particularly the family members that uh, get under your skin the most. It will be helpful for you. (laughs) It will give you uh, an opportunity to self-reflect and to let go. I appreciate your compassionate and listening ears over the past couple of years. Thank you for Uh, holding space for me per usual i am blessed and honored to be here i will see you on our next episode i believe it will probably be uh on the summer solstice but i'm not sure yet each day is new and we are going slow at this time in society and i hope we stay at this pace i i like it a great deal i quite like it happy end of may dearest friends I send you many blessings. If you would like to engage the feminine dialogue, please feel free to send an email to PriscillaHeinLCSW at gmail.com. Additionally, when you search for us on Apple Podcasts or share us with your friends, remind them and yourself to give us a five-star rating.